0: You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Hey everyone, what are you up to? It's our bi-weekly dance party, Molly. And this week we're making some of our own music. Cool, I like making music too. Check this out.
1: Oh, dude, that slaps. I've been experimenting with coconuts lately. You can hear the full track on my next
2: EP. It's gonna drop soon.
3: Hey, there's Manica.
2: Why is she carrying a
3: basket? Hey, everybody. I'm here with the fresh beats. Huh, Manica? I meant musical beats, not the root vegetable. Oh, B E A T, not B E E T. That makes a lot more sense. Common mistake. But hey, what if we made a beat with the beats? Beat squared!
0: Yeah, Manica, drop the beat. We should totally collab sometime.
2: listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and I'm joined today by Nathan from Atlanta. Hi, Nathan. Hi, Molly. So, Nathan, you wrote into the show a while back, and you wanted to know how synthesizers work. And I am curious to know what made you curious about synthesizers.
0: So, like, I was just listening to this song, and and I just, like, like this little instrument, and i now i know that it was a synthesizer and i asked my dad and i'm like i got to get one of those
2: <laughs> so how long have you been playing around with a synthesizer
0: well like i've been playing around with it a lot and then i just stopped for i don't know a couple months or even a year but oh, then wow. but now i'm just back into it and have
2: you played other instruments before
0: um, I learned how to play piano, but I stopped that. Um, I know how to play drums, but I can't read off a music sheet. I just pretty much write my own song.
2: Awesome. And we should say the beats that you heard at the beginning of the show were made by you. Those are actually made by you, which is super cool. Um, so what is it that's fun about using a synthesizer that's different than say the piano or the drums?
0: Well, um, a synthesizer just sounds a lot more different than any of those other acoustic um, instruments. And so that's why I like synthesizers because you can use them in lots of different types of songs. What is your
2: favorite kind of song to write Or or beats to create, I should say?
0: I like to create very energetic electronic beats because that's just my thing. And, I, and my sister could add in a little piano, so.
4: Oh,
2: so you can collaborate. That's super cool.
0: Yeah, collaborating. And so, are you just like going about
2: your day, doing stuff, and you're like, oh, "There's a beat in my head," or do you have to sit down and start, you know, playing with stuff? How does it work?
0: Well, you're right. With both of you ideas. sometimes I just come up with a beat and I need to play it, and sometimes I just do around and I come up with one.
2: What is your favorite sound that you can make on your synthesizer?
0: Um I like to adjust the knobs and the detune until I really find uh a noise I could bring in with my drums and some other instruments that could really make a song energetic. Like not go to sleep in your bed.
2: <laughs> Can you do an impression of what that sound sounds like? Woo. <laughs> Okay, before we crack open this world of sound and music, take a listen to the bleeps in this song. Or the bells in this one. Horns in this one. And even this whistling droid. Even though these clips sound galaxies apart in terms of style, they have one thing in common.
0: They all use synthesizers.
2: That's right. Specifically, analog synthesizers. And while you might be thinking, oh, I have an app on a phone or computer that can make those sounds.
0: Those are digital synthesizers. They use a computer code to make sounds.
2: Digital synthesizers began showing up in the 1980s, and they are fantastic music-making tools.
0: If you're in a store and see something that kind of looks like a plastic piano, it's probably a digital synthesizer.
2: But before there was digital, there was something called an analog synthesizer. That's what we're going to focus on here. These synthesizers make sound by harnessing the power of electricity.
0: There are many, many different types of synthesizers.
2: Some have the same black and white keys you find on a piano.
0: And some are metal boxes with buttons, knobs, and switches.
2: But to understand how they make any sounds, we first have to look at acoustic instruments.
0: Things like guitars.
2: Pianos.
0: Or even voices. La!
2: Each of these instruments start with a vibration. Like when a guitar is played, the string vibrates up and down. And those vibrations make air molecules bump into each other. That's what makes sound waves. waves 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 waves
5: waves
0: waves waves
2: Those sound waves travel to our ears, and our ears pass them to our brain, which tells us what we're hearing. For nearly all of human history, this is how people made music. But in 1955, around the time many of your grandparents were kids, the synthesizer was invented.
0: Instead of using strings or a voice to vibrate air molecules, synthesizers make sound by controlling voltage.
2: Voltage is what we use to measure the force of electricity. You can think of it like water pressure in a hose. If your hose has low water pressure, you get just a trickle of water and high water pressure means a blast of water.
0: So low voltage is like a trickle of electricity, and high voltage is a rush of electricity. Inside
2: a synthesizer is a small amount of voltage. With no keys or buttons being pushed, that voltage is like a straight line with no sound.
0: A synthesizer uses something called an oscillator to change the shape of this straight line.
2: And every tiny little variation the oscillator makes corresponds to a new sound.
0: So there's literally an infinite number of sounds you can play on a synthesizer.
2: So we've got all these oscillators making different sound shapes with voltage, but all this is happening inside the synthesizer.
0: In order for us to hear them, these waves of electricity need to be sent to a speaker.
2: Speakers transform these electronic waveforms into sound waves from there it's back to moving air molecules traveling to our ears just like any other instrument Oh Nathan we almost forgot the brains on sound
0: Oh, right
6: ba 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 brains on
2: So now we understand how a synthesizer works but how did it get started I think I can help with that Hey it's our pal Ruby
1: Guthrie Hi Molly hi Nathan I'm super curious about synths, too. It all started when I visited the instrument petting zoo. The trumpet was smooth. While the violins were a little on edge. Luckily, the harmonicas were extra excited to see me. And then I came across a synthesizer. It sounded like something from outer space, like an extraterrestrial keyboard that aliens use to play their national anthem. Am I right? Totally. But turns out these are an earthly invention, and one of the most popular synthesizers was created by engineer Bob Moog. While some may consider Moog the father of synthesis, he wasn't the first person to build an electronic musical instrument. In fact, one of the earliest electronic musical instruments was the teleharmonium. It started in the late 1890s, when American Thaddeus Cahill wanted to play background music in hotels, theaters, and restaurants. Remember, Bluetooth didn't exist, and amplifiers and speakers were very limited. Cahill's solution? Broadcast music through telephone wires.
6: These telephones are cool and all, but what if we sent music through them? Think of the ambiance!
1: So Cahill developed the telharmonium. It was an organ-like instrument that connected to giant cogs, one for each note on the piano. The cogs would spin and generate different electronic signals, creating different tones, all to be broadcasted through telephone lines. Altogether, the machinery used about 2,000 electronic switches and weighed 200 tons. In fact, the telharmonium generated such a big signal that the music started interfering with other telephone calls. So, anyways, Norma, I was at the store. Norma, what,
0: what is that noise?
4: I don't know, Gladys. Could be a crossed wire. Or
6: maybe it's a Martian. But hey, it's great ambiance.
1: Decades later, a Russian inventor named Leon Theremin created his own instrument. And one you could play without even touching it. The theremin generates electromagnetic fields around two antennas, which you can wave your hands around to change the pitch and the volume of the sound. Initially, these strange and complex instruments intrigue scientists, academics, and avant-garde composers. And it was actually the theremin that inspired Bob Moog.
5: By the time my dad was about 14, he found out about the theremin and made one himself and just fell in love with it.
1: That's Michelle Moog She's the executive director at the Bob Moog Foundation, where she teaches kids how sound and synthesizers work. She's also Bob Moog's daughter. Bob and his father started building theremin kits in their basement, and eventually they made a business out of it. The idea for a synthesizer didn't come until the 1960s, when Bob was approached by a music professor
5: a young professor from Hofstra University named Herb Deutsch um, approached him and said, you know, I have one of your melodia theremins that I use in my classes, and I, but I'm also an experimental jazz composer, and there are just sounds that I want to make for my compositions that I can't make. And I wondered if you could make something to help me make these sounds I'm hearing in my head, but I can't, I can't produce So Bob got to work and prototyped the Moog synth in
1: 1964. It was made up of two sets of keyboards and two cabinets with different knobs and dials. And it was revolutionary because you could create
5: thousands of new sounds, all from one machine. Imagine if you went onto the playground one day and there was a huge box of 250,000 new colors of Crayola crayons. New colors that you had never seen before. Imagine how that would change your artwork, the artwork around you, how you made art. Well, that's what the Moog synthesizer did for the world of music. And that's what synthesizers who have been born out of that original technology continue to do.
1: There were so many other different synthesizers invented alongside the Moog, like the Buchla or the ARP 2500. At first, these synths were only popular among academics and experimental artists. They were used to explore how sound worked and to create unique, innovative compositions. But as more musicians discovered synthesizers, they started to become a staple in pop and rock music. Eventually, their influence reached nearly every genre imaginable. From jazz to electronic, even to country music.
6: And you here beside me, me yard. Bob Moog
5: was inspired by Leon Theremin. And as a result, his work then inspired thousands of other people, and their work inspires people. So, really following that inspiration is very important, not just for yourself in your creative growth, but for for people you don't even know who could be inspired by the work that you do, too. Synthesis is a vehicle for sonic exploration, and I think that's why musicians enjoy it so much, because you can get a lot of different sounds out of a synthesizer than you could probably get from just about any other instrument on its own. You know, what that leads to is that musicians can be uh, immensely creative, and they can really express themselves.
1: Synthesizers are like the best collab of all time. They combine the knowledge from music, science, and engineering to form one magical machine. It's amazing that you can create a world of sound all from one singular synth. Thanks for sharing, Ruby. Anytime. Now it's back to the petting zoo for me. I've got to get my hands on a theremin, or rather near one. See ya.
2: Time to take a break from synthesizer sounds and check out the... Mystery sound. Here it is. Hmm, Nathan, want to hear it again?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Let's hear it one more time.
0: So, like, um, I heard, like, three clicks, then it was, like, like a click, and then, like, a sound, and then I kind of heard the sound like a lightsaber, like from Star Wars. Mm. Those, you're a very good ear. So, what do you think all of those sounds put together might be? Maybe some sort of jolt of electricity that's a, that a generator is making?
2: Excellent ears, Nathan. Well, we will be back with the answer a little bit later in the show. Nathan, I have an important question for you. Okay. What does a banana say when it answers the phone? I don't know. Yellow.
0: (laughs) So what with the banana
2: joke? Well, we're working on an episode all about bananas. It's going to be, oh, what's the word?
0: Bananas.
2: (laughs) Yes. And as part of the show, we want to hear your best banana jokes. Knock, knock jokes, puns, zingers, you name it. What do you think, Nathan? Do you have a banana joke?
0: Why did the banana wear sunscreen?
2: Why? Why did the banana wear sunscreen?
0: Because he didn't want to peel.
2: (laughs) An excellent joke and excellent delivery as well. It does certainly have appeal. So record your banana joke and send it to us. Just go to BrainsOn.org slash contact.
0: While you're there, you can also send us questions, ideas, mystery sounds, and drawings.
2: That's how we got this amazing question.
0: I'm Mira from St. Paul, Minnesota. My question is, do airplanes have a speed limit?
2: We'll be back with an answer during our Moment of Um at the end of the show, and we'll also read the latest group to be added to the Brain's Honor Roll. So keep listening!
0: You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Nathan.
2: And I'm Molly. Before we bleep bloop back to synthesizers, you ready to hear that mystery sound one more time? Yep. All right, here it is. Just before you guess, this is not related to the topic of the episode. It's a sound that was sent to us from a listener. So with that in mind, do you have any new thoughts?
0: Well, it's like something was dropping from like a high place that dropped to another place and then dropped to another place. And then like it dropped, it broke. And then there was just like this sound.
2: Hmm, You're a very detailed listener, which does not surprise me because you make sounds yourself. All right. Here is the answer.
0: Hi, I am Emma. I am eight years old. I am from Buffalo, New York. And the sound you're hearing is the lighting of a match.
2: Mm, so those oh. first couple sounds were striking the match on the matchbox, and then the whoosh was the fire starting.
0: Wait, can I hear that again? Yeah, let's hear it. Oh, I can really see how that sounds like a match now.
2: Yeah, th- these sounds are so tricky. When you hear them out of context, it's so hard. And then once you know what it is, you're like, oh, of course. Of course that's what it is.
0: Yeah.
5: Brains, brains, brains. Oh.
2: Okay, Nathan, we have another game for you today. It's time to play Spot the Synth. I'm going to play a sound, and you have to tell me if it was made by a synthesizer or if it occurs in the natural world. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Okay, so synthesizer or natural world. Let's hear the first sound. Okay, Nathan. Synth or natural sound?
0: I gotta choose natural sound because I know it is like some sort of church bell.
2: Nathan, you are 100% correct. It is a church bell. Good work. Natural sound. Okay, let's hear sound number two. All right. Synth or natural sound?
0: Synth. And
2: you are correct. That is a synth. It's a synth trying to imitate what wind sounds like. All right. Here is sound number three. All right. Synth or natural sound?
0: Well, I guess if that look that sounds like a siren, so it is a natural sound. But I heard something like a synthesizer because it was coming out of this ear and then it then it was just like moving on to the middle.
2: Mm. You have great ears, Nathan, because you are. Correct. It was a synth siren. All right. Let's see if you can keep your streak going. Here's sound number 4. Okay, synth or natural sound?
0: Um I gotta say synth.
2: Well that one is actually a natural sound. That was the sound of a midwife toad.
0: Um, I felt like I heard like a
2: boodoop boodoop boo yeah, thing. That that boo. That is the sound the toad makes. Uh, So frogs and toads really make an incredible range of sounds. And they often sound like synthesizers to me when I hear them. So this one was recorded in Belgium. All right, here is another sound. Okay, so synth or natural sound.
0: I can definitely tell that is a synth.
2: This one is an instrument, but it's a natural sound. It's the didgeridoo. Have you heard of the didgeridoo before? Nuh-uh. But it sounds really like a synthesizer. It really does, right? Yeah, so this is a big tube that makes that sound. You blow into a hollow tube of wood with your lips, and it sort of makes that vibrating sound. It's from Australia. Hmm... Okay, here is our last sound, sound number six.
0: Gotta win this one.
2: Okay, so synth or natural sound?
0: Synth. You are correct. Way to go. Synth. Synth.
2: So those waves were, in fact, synthesized.
0: That's so cool. I wonder how you create that
4: sound. That is a great question, and I know just who to ask. Hi, my name is Suzanne Chani. And I am called a pioneer in electronic music because I played the Buchla synthesizer many, many, many years ago in the late 60s and
2: 70s. Suzanne has composed music and designed sounds for film, television, and video games. Here's one she did for Coca Cola. And here are some sounds she made for the first Atari, which was the first home gaming system. But one of her favorite sounds to make are ocean waves.
4: So the instrument that I play is called the Bukla. 200E. It has no traditional keyboard, so it doesn't look like a lot of synthesizers that you play with a black and white keyboard, as we call it. Picture a big board filled with rows of different knobs, sliders, and dials,
2: all with a pile of colorful chords on top. My sister thinks it looks like a pile of spaghetti.
0: Mmm, musical spaghetti.
2: All of these different
4: dials, sliders, and spaghetti-like chords allow Suzanne to shape a sound. You know, some people look at my instrument and they go, oh my gosh, that spaghetti and all those knobs and those dials, and it's just like crazy. I could never understand that. But it's really not complicated once you get on the inside and see that there are just a few things going on, really, You have oscillators that put out the sound, or a white noise generator. Then you have filters that control the color of the sound. You have envelopes and gates that work together to give a dynamic to the sound. Then the patch. You know, you have to decide what's the order of these modules. How are they going to affect each other? And you change that.
0: Okay, let's start from scratch.
4: So the first module that I'm going to show you is the white noise generator. So it just puts out a noise. And let's see if we can hear that. I start with white noise because it has everything and then I I take things away. And white noise is the sound of all the frequencies playing at once. Here is some white noise. Now, how can I shape that? I can shape it by putting it into a filter. A filter
2: will take out some parts of the sound while leaving others. It's like using a pasta strainer to separate the noodles from the boiling water.
4: The filter has controls. It has the bandwidth and the center frequency. So if I change the frequency, you can hear it going up and down. If I change the bandwidth, you can hear it. It'll start to whistle. So for waves, clearly, we don't want this very narrow bandwidth. We want a nice, wide bandwidth. So now I'm sweeping the filter up and down.
2: Suzanne can control these filters by twisting certain knobs or routing a path using
4: some of those colorful chords from earlier. That way, the effect is automatic. So I'm going to take a voltage and I'm going to put it into the filter so that it sweeps up automatically. I'm going to sweep it down in this filter so I have an envelope shape that is now going to make that sound crash. Hear what it does, it plunges the filter down and then back up. An envelope changes how the sound moves through time. And I can add other sounds to the white noise until we've created an actual sound of the ocean. Another thing that I like to do when I'm making the ocean is to put on an effect. So I'm going to just put on a nice delay here. Well that sounds pretty much like a wave, huh? I can
0: almost smell the salt water.
4: I like to think of this instrument as kind of a brain. A brain with synapses and connections, electrical connections. And so you decide really how those synapses are going to connect. You have many choices and you can always change the choices.
0: Wow, the possibilities are endless. Thanks, Suzanne! Analog synthesizers use electricity to make sound.
2: The synthesizer revolutionized the way we create sound today from music to television and film.
0: Synthesizers can even mimic sounds in nature.
2: And synths use filters, envelopes, and other effects to create and shape those sounds. That's it for this episode of Brains On.
0: Brains On is produced by Manika Wilhelm, Molly Bloom, Oric Sanchez, and Sandin Totten.
2: We had production help from Phyllis Fletcher, Ruby Guthrie, Ava Kian, and Christina Lopez. We had engineering help from Johnny Vince Evans. Special thanks to James Mooney, Corey and Carrie Sellers, and Francis Prev.
0: Brains On is a nonprofit public radio podcast.
2: You can support the show and help us keep making new episodes at slash fans Oh, and don't forget to send in those banana jokes.
0: And now before we go, it's time for a moment of um
5: um um um
0: um airplanes have a speed limit.
6: The short answer is yes and no. Under 10,000 feet, airplanes must not exceed 250 knots, and that's about 287 miles per hour. But above 10,000 feet, technically there is no speed restriction, but there are several factors that go into determining an airplane's speed. Well, hello, my name is Bobby Sharp. I'm an air traffic controller at Atlanta Center. So, okay, the whole thing about the 10,000 feet, The reason that you have a different restriction for speed under 10,000 feet is because you're getting into those terminal areas near airports. You got a lot of planes coming in and leaving out. You got a lot of planes that are just flying around, sightseeing, kind of low to the ground. You want to kind of slow down your speed just to make sure that those planes that are seeing and avoiding have adequate time to see and avoid. So once you get above that, when it's a little bit less traffic, then those speed restrictions are, you know, removed. For most of your passenger jets, the average cruising speed is going to be about 575 miles per hour. So you can go a little bit faster once you get a little bit higher and there's less planes that you have to encounter. Below 10,000 feet, it's kind of like you know city streets where it's kind of like slower traffic, but above 10,000 feet, it's kind of like the highway, wide open, everybody's going fast and you got more room to actually get up to speed.
2: Um, um, Um. I'm ready to speed through this list of names. It's the brain's honor roll. These are the amazing listeners who keep this show going with their questions, ideas, mystery sounds, drawings, and high fives. Asher from Urbana, Illinois. Portis from Austin, Texas. Max from Basel, Switzerland. Henry from Charlotte, North Carolina. Lucas from St. Paul, Minnesota. Madeline from Port Washington, Wisconsin. Faizan from Pakistan. Evie from Minneapolis. Mia and Ava from Auckland, New Zealand. Yindi from Kuwait. Kipton from Jeffersonville, Indiana. Cora from San Antonio, Texas. Presley from Woodland Hills, California. Lake from Brookfield, Wisconsin. Jack from San Antonio Texas. Annalise from St. Charles, Illinois. Summer from East Lansing, Michigan. Miranda from Montclair, California. Ricky from Brooklyn, New York. Studi and Sam from Franklin, Wisconsin. Amelia from Moscow. Savian from Toronto. Annika and Maggie from Traverse City, Michigan. Katie from Rochester Hills, Michigan. Noah from Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Max from Peachtree City, Georgia. Richvik from Cedar Park, Texas. Saya and Yuna from Durham, North Carolina. Anshu from North York, Ontario. Grayson from Lakeland, Florida. Benji from Irmo, South Carolina. Fadel from Alhasa, Saudi Arabia. Miles from Dayton, Ohio Hunt from Nantucket, Massachusetts Joseph from Lemoyne, Maine Greta from Austin, Texas Bodie from Isleford, Maine Ty from Pittsburgh Audrey from Victorville, California Spencer from Point Lonsdale, Australia Marat from Ancaster, Ontario Theo from Christchurch, New Zealand Jackson from Holdingford, Minnesota Sydney from Bountiful, Utah Zach and Marcus from New York City Lucy from University Park, Maryland Tegan from Albuquerque, New Mexico Story from Baton Rouge, Louisiana Cassie and Ollie from Wimberley, Texas Cassie from Rochester New York, Divya and Mira from Troy, New York, Cole and May from Lilitz, Pennsylvania, Sarah from Manassas, Virginia, Noah and Liam from Austin, Texas, Noel and Lily from New Jersey, Archie and Ryan from Calgary, Alberta, Elliot and Evelyn from Sacramento, California, Hannah from San Marino, California, Amar from Pasadena, California, Atticus from Portland, Oregon, Nia Avila from Bishops, Itchington, United Kingdom, Lauren and Abigail from Montreal, Sophie from San Antonio, Texas, Evan and Maggie from West Des Moines, Iowa, Maddie from Parkridge, Illinois, Emerson from Los Angeles, Rishi and Sambeet from Lexington, Massachusetts, Parker from Fort Thomas, Kentucky, Malcolm and Calvin from Murray, Utah, Owen from Glen Ridge, New Jersey, Tyson from Gainesville, Georgia, Isla and Alexa from Prospect, Kentucky, Emma from Powhatan, Virginia, Aubrey from Palatine, Illinois, and Prognia from Bangalore, India. We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions.
0: Thanks for listening.